Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You are listening to the Intentionally Inspirational Podcast. This podcast was created for entrepreneurs who are seeking motivation, digital marketing tips, personal development resources, and a nice dose of comic relief. Now for your host, Jason Wright. What is going on, everybody? This is Jason Wright, and we have episode number 98 this week, Going for Wealth with Lior Gantz. What is going on? Two episodes away from number 100. Almost there. Almost there. It's been a long road, but it's been a fun road, and uh, it's amazing that we're already to this point. So look forward to the next 100 episodes beyond that. Fun, fun stuff. This episode this week is going to be sponsored by Funnel Vision Course at FunnelVisionCourse.com. If you guys are looking for an introduction to email marketing, automation, and funnels, this is the free course for you. You get three videos delivered to you over the course of three days, and I think you'll find it super, super valuable. You can check that out at FunnelVisionCourse.com. And just to give you kind of a sidebar on that, I've already updated all the emails and the templates and everything associated with that, and there's going to be kind of a Funnel Vision 2.0 coming soon as well, just updated videos, a little bit different content, that type of thing. So always looking to improve, always tweaking, but check that out. You will like that. So this week, I've got a little story I want to share with you guys, and seems like it fits the theme of today's podcast pretty well. It's about pricing. And, you know, when I first started, we'll just talk about copywriting for a moment. When I first started copywriting, like the first time I ever wrote for money, and this is a long time ago, this may be eight years ago, maybe longer, maybe nine I think I, I charged like $5 a page. I mean, something really, really low because I didn't, I actually had a guy reach out to me and say, Hey, if you'll, no, it was $10 a page. He said, Hey, if you'll do these 10 pages, I'll pay a hundred bucks. I was like, okay, great. So I did it. And this is way, way back, you know, when SEO was kind of a huge, huge rage. And that was kind of as good as it got for a lot of stuff. So I did that and I thought, okay, so I can get 10 bucks a page. So it's all kind of about, experience and about perception of what you're worth. Well, we fast forward to now and I still do copywriting, but nowhere near that price point. And my point in this is when you get to a point, say you're, you're a copywriter just for the sake of conversation and say your price point is $50 an hour or a hundred dollars an hour, maybe even $150 an hour. You've got to that point because you know, people are willing to pay for the type of work they're looking for and the voice they want it and they, they want it a certain way. And you know, you can deliver that and you've, you've done it before and people pay that. So you know what you're worth, you know, you arrive to that point and people will come along and say, Hey, I want to work with you, but I want to do it at half price. or I want a discount. And I want to tell you guys, you know, when business may not be flowing like you want, it can be tempting to, to negotiate pricing for stuff like that. But my stance is your price is what it is. And if it doesn't work for them and their biggest factor in making a decision is price, you're probably not the person for them. That's so much easier said than done. Um, I do do that now. I do say, hey, this is what it is. If, if it makes sense, great. If not, it's also great. You know, there's no hard sell or anything like that. But 
what I find is I find that I attract and end up working with the type of clients that I want to work with. Not only are they willing to, to pay what, what I'm worth, but it makes for a really good people. You know, you, the communications there, the, the, um, respect is there, the, everything that you want in a client is there. And, you know, pricing is a good way to kind of filter out some people that you don't want to deal with, but think about that, you know, whatever your business may be, uh, it doesn't matter if it's a product or a service, um, get, get your pricing. Everybody's pricing is probably too low. Honestly, um, get your pricing to a point where it's comfortable for you. It makes sense to you and you know what you're worth and, and don't, don't budge on that. Don't budge on that for people. And I challenge you with that to see what happens. But, uh, you know, once upon a time I would negotiate pricing and now it's just like, you know, it's like, if you think about a car and you know, if you want to go buy a Range Rover and you see the price tag and you say, it's exactly what I want, but I'm only willing to pay $10,000. The people selling those are just going to stare at you and say, you know, why, why are you telling me, you know, go buy a $10,000 car. So it's kind of the same thing. So that's kind of my random stories for you, but I want you to think about it. I challenge you to not only raise your prices, but stick to your guns with your pricing. And if somebody wants a discount, just say, hey, maybe I'm not the right person for you. You either get it done right the first time with me, or you can go pay somebody with lesser skill and experience and, and do it that way. So. All right, today we've got another great guest. We've got Lior Gantz from the Wealth Research Group. I think Lior is actually the second person we've talked to from this company, but great group of guys, very, very experienced entrepreneurs, very knowledgeable and very successful as well. So let's check this out and see what me and Lior talked about. What is happening, everybody? I've got another great guest with me this week. I've got Lior Gantz with me, and he is from Wealth Research Group. Let me tell you what I know about Lior. He's an entrepreneur, he's an investor, and he's a contributing editor of Wealth Research Group. Lior, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me. No problem at all. So tell me how you got started with all this investing and entrepreneurship in general. Um, WealthResearchGroup.com is a financial uh, newsletter, and it is focused on building a financial fortress around uh, you and your family and, and making sure that the that you're treating money in a way that will get money to treat you back in a, in a good way. And um, I'm 33 now. I started at, uh, when I was 16, my parents uh, signed a waiver so I can uh, uh, do my own investing. And basically since then I've, I've uh, done, uh, I've done everything from, uh, you know, your basic work, delivering pizzas at 16 and uh, folding clothes to uh, running a fund Um after 2008, for some high net individuals or with a boutique fund, like uh, about 20 people. And um, we were early investors in Bitcoin. I liquidated the fund uh, because I wanted to, um, uh, obviously successfully, I wanted to uh, uh, reach a wider audience, uh, kind of like what you're doing, Jason, and make sure that people uh, in general educate themselves about uh, uh, about money, finance, and uh, you know, just uh, general personal stuff that uh, that I think are, is very important. Then, uh, wealth research group uh, is very much focused on something that most people are uh, aren't aware of uh, in in a high level, which is a small the small the small cap uh, world of of stocks. So these would be companies that are much more speculative. Than large cap companies, which we are also uh, talking about a lot of wealth research. Group. But the the mining sector, gold, silver, uh, other commodities uh, uh, that that are in in short supply, 
and the companies mining them or looking for them could offer you know in, insane um, returns is something that we uh, that we focus on a lot and now um, with what's happening with the the marijuana space we're uh, also diverting into that a lot um i don't know if you want to talk about that but it's it's going to be one of those you know it's going to be one of those big investment themes for the next uh, few years and of course uh, we're very much um uh inside of the uh the cryptocurrency world as well so wealth research group is basically a a combination of just you know big picture economy what's going on uh, in definitely not mainstream ideas and um we focus on any, on on everything from safety and then all the way to, to the speculative side if that makes sense mm-hmm. absolutely very interesting so let me ask you with the and this is kind of new stuff for me but with the sure. crypt- cryptocurrencies is that something we're going to continue to see more and more of and could you tell us what that means for people listening that may not know what the heck that even even you know is sure so basically throughout history throughout civilizations um you need to commerce you need to trade you need to transaction between people uh, that's how economies work and you, you had the barter system early on thousands thousands of years ago maybe millions of years ago you had the barter system but then um you uh, what happened was societies got more complex, more advanced, uh, more far, far away from each other, and the barter system did not work anymore. So you needed to create a medium of exchange, uh, a token, or some sort of a, um, a, a tangible item that has some some intrinsic value that you can uh, pay with. And throughout history, gold and silver have been the ultimate forms of money. They They just have... They happen to have all the attributes that are needed. You know, Jason, throughout history, they tried everything from silk, rice, diamonds, bat, bat shit, which is called guano. Um, <laughs> well, shells, large stones. But they all have defects. Alcohol, obviously alcohol evaporates. You know, diamonds can fall. And then some of them have uh, rough spots, et cetera. Silk. It's so you can turn it apart, you know, it's it. and gold and silver happen to have all the attributes needed to be money. And and throughout history, all all major societies have been based on um, on precious metals uh, being transacted. You can you can go to Rome, Greece, the Ottoman Empire, uh, you know, a, a few centuries ago, which was a, a huge empire. And it, it goes all the way to, to the United States, the Constitution, right? Uh, gold and silver are the only legal money. Obviously, uh, the Constitution doesn't mean a lot anymore, but it is what it is. And since 1971, the uh, well, since the 15th of August of 1971, Nixon cut the connection between the U.S. dollar and gold. Uh, the U.S. dollar used to be backed by gold, and so all the nations that transacted with uh, you know with U.S. dollars um, through international commerce. Which is the, basically the 1944 uh, agreement to make the dollar the, the reserve currency of the world. Um, they uh, they were as good as gold because all currencies were backed essentially by the dollar, and the dollar was backed by gold. And since the U.S. government had done a lot of uh, you know things that they can't do, which is uh, spend more dollars than they mine gold, so that ratio between gold and the U.S. dollar got out of whack, 
a lot of countries said, look, uh, in the late in the late 60s, let's uh, I, w- I want to see an audit. Let's see how much gold you have and how much uh, dollars are in circulation. Let's make sure that that ratio is still 35 to one because 35 dollars was one one ounce of gold. And, and sure enough, obviously, with the Vietnam Wars and the Korean Wars and all that kind of stuff. And uh, a lot of uh, social entitlements, they uh, they really couldn't couldn't get an audit done, and they decided to temporarily suspend the connection between gold and, and the U.S. dollar. And we're 46 years later, and and you see what happened. It's all currencies are not connected to any um, tangible item, and therefore they're being printed at at sort of a you know. Uh, I would say it's 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 a it's done by central banks in a manner that is supposed to uh, limit inflation. But you see that gold trades for over twelve hundred dollars per ounce, and it used to trade for thirty five. So you know that inflation is definitely um, picked up insanely since nineteen seventy one, and obviously you can see it on your lifestyle. But anyways, uh, cryptocurrencies. What happened is it, you know after the uh, after two thousand and eight. Either a group of people, one guy, it doesn't matter, it's, it's a person named Satoshi Nakamoto, and he uh, or they came up with the, with this idea of create, creating abstract currencies. So not tangible money, not commodity money, not something that you can hold in your hand, not a physical atom, but an abstract, uh, an abstract um, um, money system and basically add a cryptographic layer to it so it's encrypted and you can't that was that was the uh, the main thing about it he didn't want to create a currency he wanted to create a, a peer-to-peer payment system uh, that is uh, far better than the banking system that we now have but uh, his idea was so uh, was so good that it evolved to what we have today and obviously uh, the, the sector itself is booming but the the main thing here is not even the cryptocurrencies. It's the it's it's the blockchain uh, technology, which is basically this incri- uh, you know this cryptographic public ledger um, that you can that you can use. So cryptocurrencies are not going away. The block the blockchain is not going away. Uh, in fact, uh, prior to uh, to this interview, I sat down with uh, with a person who showed me uh, four or five amazing new technologies that are going to be advanced with cryptocurrency. So you are going to see a lot more of this uh, in the future and uh, in the immediate future. And obviously, governments are getting involved right now and they're trying to see how to you know, incorporate it into national currencies because obviously this is a competing system to national currencies. Um, and then, uh, you know, this is, uh, this is not a, com- a, a, a competitive currency to, to gold or silver very um, if, if you follow uh, cryptocurrencies you see they, they go up and down they're volatile uh, etc it's very early on for them they're they're the proof of concept stage it's not like gold and silver where it's been around for thousands of years retaining value and, and uh, you know most of the old money is kept in, in gold and silver throughout the world mm-hmm. but anyways yeah you're gonna see a lot more of cryptocurrencies a lot more um, public companies getting involved, research to it, investments. Uh, it's it's a brand new industry. People have made a sick amount of monies, but uh, you know the pioneer uh, generation. But the second phase here is going to be just as big. 
as the first. In fact, for your listeners, we created, Wealth Research Group created a, 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 an exclusive report on this, and you can go to wealthresearchgroup.com forward slash crypto 2017. And that's where we uh, we, we put a comprehensive report about all, all, all the top cryptos to watch and everything that's going on right now with the blockchain. Very nice. Very nice. A lot of good information there. Thank you. Uh, what type of investment strategy would you recommend for a startup? And when I say startup, I'm kind of thinking that, you know, that first couple of years in business, you know, some of them are making money, some of them aren't making much. What are your thoughts on that? Um, well, um, I, I, I see about 700 startups a year. So I see about two, uh, you know, two prospectus per day, mm-hmm. uh, two, uh, uh, two new companies per day. And it, it, the idea is uh, the idea behind startup companies, Jason, is that, um, they're, they're mostly undercapitalized and they got great, great ideas, but not the right people to develop them. So people and starting cash are the two barriers that uh, result in, in the fact that 95% of startups do not make it. So if you're in those in that two-year period, most of the risk to, uh, to the startup is external risk, not internal risk. And after you're big enough, you, you know, most of your mistakes will be your own uh, and how you, you, you treat your competition and, and um, gain more market share. But in the first two years, it's all about people. Tenaciousness, resourcefulness, uh, vision—you know how much they're willing to put in—and and, and uh, um, you know I've I've built a few startups myself, so I, I can tell you it, it 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 requires seven days, full seven days a week, all the time working and building that thing, and it, it's it's a hassle. So you need the right people. Uh, so people's number one. If you don't have the right people, then that's it. It's gone. And obviously, as uh, with what you're doing, which is uh, uh, you know building your own business here, you can see how much devotion you need to get uh, businesses off the ground. It's uh, it's not for everyone. No. And so you need you need to qualify the person, Jason, the the person running it, and make sure that or or the person you know the the person behind the the startup. Make sure he's he is legit, and then if he is legit, money won't be such an issue. People will he'll attract funding, and so these two things go together. And then obviously uh, you need a you need a a great deal of luck to to make it happen. And therefore, what we do, uh, for instance, with well with wealth research, we uh, um, well I would say about once a month we would alert all the uh, the free subscribers about uh, a special situation that we that we found or you know a, a unique company that we'd love uh, to cover and share with the um, uh, with the subscribers and in 2016 we've had uh, I'd like to say 12 companies that we covered that have all doubled or more it was a good year all around I mean the, the sector was uh, the mining sector was very hot but um, we've done very well in 2016. We got uh, picked to be the number one uh, free financial newsletter in the world in 2016. So that was a great honor. But uh, uh, I'm just uh, what I'm trying to tell you is people are bar none the most important thing when you look at a company and, and a startup company um, for for sure because the the, the risks involved are high. 
therefore the rewards are high as well. But the risks involved take a special kind of person to surmount them. So what we're looking for is people that are serial winners, serial entrepreneurs, and we don't dabble with people that that have not done it before. So um, I would say that's very important, Jason. When you qualify a person, you'd like to see six previous success uh, track record. No, that makes sense. And, you know, it's uh, kind of going back to what you said about having to work in a startup seven days a week. Entrepreneurship's like a lifestyle, isn't it? Yeah, it's 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 a lifestyle. And um, uh, I don't know where it originates from because, you know, some of the best entrepreneurs, they, they've been employees until they're 40. And then they say, oh, God, I, I just want to switch over and become an entrepreneur. So some of them have become entrepreneur out of disgust. For their current lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Other people see their parents and say, I want to do exactly that or I want to be the reverse of that. So you, you never know where it originates from that entrepreneur uh, uh, entrepreneurship spirit. But it is a spirit. It is a state of mind um, because mo- and, and most people are not hardwired uh, uh, to do it um, because most people do not like to delegate and entrepreneurs are delegators. Um, and, and so that's that's a lot, you know. I, I when you see an employee, um, they they like to do things themselves. They 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 trust themselves, and when you see delegators, they want to find right people and build a machine or you know build a system, build build a procedure that is scalable. So it's it's very it's a different approach. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, saving versus investing. At what point? financially should we transition? So I know if if a startup is struggling, you know, barely keeping their head above water, probably not the best time to invest. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, what do you think about that? Um, I, I guess I don't really understand. The, I think I understand the question. The, the, for, let's talk first about people, okay? Okay. So, so um, j- just think of three buckets, and every person has those three buckets. One bucket has a hole at the bottom of it, and that's called your spending bucket. And wherever you throw in there, it doesn't return. It goes to the hands of somebody else, another corporation, another person, a service or product that you bought or whatever. It's it's gone. The second the second bucket is the savings bucket. And that's where you just accumulate money. It doesn't grow, though. So whatever you save there are things that you, uh, uh, you know, your, your, your three- to four-year expenses – going into the future that, that you can foresee and you, you know and you plan should be in that bucket. Uh, the bucket should be full for that. So you, so you don't have to um, change your lifestyle or you know become stressed out. And then the third bucket would be the investing bucket. And that's where you want to um, put money in order to grow it, in order to compound it. Okay? Um, for, for most people, the, the biggest source of money is their main career. It's not investing. And it's very important to to kind of sink that point in, Jason, because many people think that investing will make them rich. It's they it will make them richer, but investing has not been the the way that most people become rich. Um, the 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 average investor makes three percent a year on his money. So start with a hundred thousand dollars. Just as an example, you'd have 103,000 at the end of the, the first year. It takes a, a long time uh, for, at 3% a year. 
um, a hedge fund or a, um, just general funds, they usually 94% of them, they, they underperform the, the market. The market has returned 7% a year. So even if you start with a 100,000 uh, US dollars, you'd have 107 at the end of the first year. So, and, and going on and on, it takes a while to become a millionaire from, uh, from investing. And unless you're obviously superior to that, um, and, and you know, with wealth research, you, we are above uh, above the ten percent a year, which is uh, a, a, if you compound that over twenty years, that's insane. That's that's a wild uh, gyration. Just think that Warren Buffett is at nineteen percent a year, and he's the the world's uh, richest per, uh, richest investor, and and obviously one of the richest persons uh, richest person alive. So one percent change over you know the course of, of two or three decades can be really uh, a huge difference. Anyways, the, uh, the that investing bucket will not be the, the main source of income in your life. So anyone listening to this should really focus on his career or his main business. And um, business is not the only way to become rich. You can obviously become rich as an employee moving up the ladder, but it is the fastest way. Um, businesses are the fastest way to, uh, to, to build a life and, uh, and, and uh, the lifestyle that, that, you, that your listeners want and deserve. But within the company that you work with, you can definitely do it. And um, I've seen many people succeed in, in uh, climbing up the ladder. So uh, with startup companies, they are mostly raising money. If if a startup company is making money, it's uh, in my book, it's not even considered a startup anymore. If you're turning a profit, then you're you're there. That's it. You're it's it's a different uh, sort of uh, mentality now. And if you're if uh, when you say saving or investing, um, when when companies that that were startups are now making a profit, their highest priority is to make sure that they don't have to go and lend. Uh, and uh, I'm sorry, and borrow money ever again. So they don't want to dilute the company. They they don't want to get into debt again. So uh, what most companies do when they scale after they have profits is they make sure that they have a treasury that's fat enough and thick enough to to sustain bad months. And as a person, you should do the same thing. So I have an I have an emergency fund of 12 months worth of uh, living expenses. That I have on the side, it's even outside the banking system. It's actually, it's like, it's like, a, it's, it's stashed, and uh, for all emergencies that uh, that can happen, from medical to whatever, if you got that emergency fund, you're uh, you're you're building a different type of life. It's it's another layer of, of personal security, personal safety, and and you know, it gives you confidence. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question, but uh, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I like the three buckets, uh, the illustration, because I was able to see it in my mind and grasp it really well. So very, very helpful. Thank you, man. Uh, what are three investment mistakes to avoid? So, you know, I'm sure you see a, a lot of mistakes that people fall into uh, when they start making more money than they ever had before. So say say a, a startup, for example, is making a, you know, you know, a couple of grand a month and just kind of scraping by kind of the one man operation when they start really making some money, what are three mistakes that people need to avoid? Um, 
Well, and by the way, we wrote about this extensively at, uh, on when you go to Wealth Research Group, when you go to the site, um, the main menu has the, the, the two left buttons. Uh, one of them says special reports, and it's it's a world, uh, it's a wide array of special reports that we created, and five of them are called the timeless uh, success principles of investing. So you can, uh, uh, you know, the listeners can download for free um, those five, and and those are the main five mistakes that people make. Um, much more uh, um, devastating than any. You know, one company that you invest in goes sour or whatever. Uh, you know, many people do a lot of investment mistakes, but buying the wrong stock is not going to kill you. Doing the three things that you're asking about are one, falling in love with something that you buy. So when you fall in love with the company that you buy, if you fail to make that uh, distinction between emotions and reason, that's the number one mistake that people make. Um, and the term for it is basically position sizing. So they t- they take a large position, an unhealthy position, with either a stock or you know a, um, they would if it's a startup company they would buy equipment that is far and above what they need, and they they would just put too much money in one place. That's called position sizing intelligence. Position sizing means that you don't put more than five to ten percent of your investment portfolio in one in one company. Uh, you don't want to do that unless it's a very very special situation, but uh, on a general basis. And a company, a business, doesn't want to do that as well. Um, it, it doesn't want to uh, if it has a, a limited amount of money. It doesn't want to spend everything it has and stay unliquid. It's not. It's it's just not worth it. It's not worth the risk. So position sizing is one, and um, the second thing would be asset allocation. And if if uh, you know if, if the listeners rem- remember one thing from today, it is a- that asset allocation is by far the most re- you know uh, the more important um, tool of investors. And that just means that you diversify whatever you have among uh, a diverse. A set of, of, of assets, uh, Jason, if that makes sense, because the correlation between uh, different asset classes is very low. Some asset classes move uh, uh, without any connection to others. And therefore, if you're diversified between a few of them, you have that uh, safety net that if, if one asset class, class uh, dries up, other ones will not. Um, if I can tell you how to do it, it will be, you know, one asset class will be cash. Cash gives you power. You're liquid. You can seize opportunities. Precious metals, physical precious metals protect you from catastrophes. They're like your insurance. Uh, take a look at, at you know, uh, hyperinflations throughout uh, the world right now. Take a look at Venezuela. The only people eating and living and, and thriving throughout what's going on there are people that can pay uh, for everyday items. And other people don't want to accept their, the local currency. It's like paper. You you, uh, you can't do anything with it. So precious metals save people there. Uh, it's all around the world that way, and it's been uh, that way throughout history. There's, it's it's not going to change, and it isn't changing. It, it, it's, it's the best form of protection against financial uh, catastrophes. That would be another asset class. Uh, real estate investment would be very wise to do um, because of the, uh, the rental cash flow. 
and you know tax benefits. I, I don't need to um, you know to tell you the the amount of people that have made money in real estate and became and become you know became millionaire throughout history through through real estate is about 76 percent of the world's millionaires. So real estate is the number one vehicle uh, for most millionaires in the world. And you know publicly traded companies, uh, stocks, whether you're talking large cap or small cap cryptocurrencies. Um, art and collectibles there are a few of them so just being diversified and we talk about this a lot on, on, on the free newsletter on, on wealth research group is is uh, a key tool and i say the third thing is being prepared so creating a watch list uh, if that makes sense uh, jason so you you know uh, you have a plan for your business or a plan for your life or a plan for your portfolio and you know uh, what you're willing to pay for stuff in the future, you have a watch list of either companies, you know, properties, whatever, whatever it is, um, uh, or, or stuff for your business that you're willing to pay, salaries for employees, etc. If you're prepared, if you create that watch list and it's in your mind, you can plan out your business or your portfolio in a very uh, savvy way. Mm -hmm. Very nice. Very very nice. Well, I think this is all great advice. Uh, you know, this is an area I'm not personally super strong in, but a lot of the things you're saying and the way you're saying it is making it so I can digest it. So I'm thinking a lot of people listening are going to have that same experience. So very, very helpful. Here's kind of a curveball for you. Uh, what do you think you'd be doing right now if you weren't involved in investing in, in the wealth stuff? I'd probably be an educator of really? some sort. Nice. Yeah. Um, well, the newsletter business is, you know, the my passion has always been educating. Mm -hmm. um, I, when I was when I was just a teen, I would coach basketball, um, coaching, get, get, you know, sharing, you know, uh, finding out stuff and sharing them, is I think it's part of my uh, um, it's part of my core being. Uh, telling stories, making sure that um, that people know important information um, is is part of. You know, it's, it's it's part of my core being, and I think I would be in some sort of capacity sharing information uh, with other people as an entrepreneur. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'll agree with you. I mean, being able to give back and, and see that light in someone's eyes, and they either get something or they they really believe it's a wonderful thing. And you know, I I got uh, kind of tricked tricked into coaching soccer for my kids when they were little. I never played, but to see a kid who had no confidence and then over the course of a season, you know, start going for it and, and giving a good effort. I mean, even that was just unbelievably satisfying. So I totally get That's that, true. man. I totally get that. So what's next for you? What do you got going on the rest of this year and maybe even beyond? Um, well, with what we're doing right now is uh, we're if, if you if you follow, follow finance, um, then you know that right now it's, it's a, a unique situation um, throughout the globe. Uh, interest rates are down to zero. Some some uh, countries have negative interest rates, and that is a situation that the world has not experienced on on a prolonged basis, uh, like a few years that that uh, like now. So, the natural resource sector is very very attractive, and it's been through a brutal bear market for like six years. So, f for you know, for the first time in about six years, uh, a lot of things are attractive. I'm actually in Vancouver, British Columbia right now, attending a mining conference as we, as we speak, that's nice. starting tomorrow. Um, so 
we are very much involved with that. We, uh, you know, we're meeting CEOs here um, uh, every day. And uh, actually, we just uh, covered a company that we really like uh, for the newsletter. And uh, I'm glad to say that uh, it's it's up big today. Um, that's one thing. The natural resource sector is uh, very attractive. And I think uh, you know people that are interested in commodities should really take a notice. The other thing is uh, is the marijuana space, and I talked about that in, in the uh, the beginning of the interview. But I can't stress this enough. This is like the end of prohibition, Jason. So the first generation here would have an amazing, amazing experience uh, investing, building up startup businesses, etc. In the U.S., it's so early on; it's not even funny. Um, and we're uh, we're uh, we're meeting with some people that are uh, making amazing uh, plays in the sector. From Cal, uh, I know you know that, but uh, California will legalize fully on the first of January, twenty eighteen. That will rock the industry altogether because California is the king, uh, or I should say, the queen of of uh, the marijuana space, medicinal recreational etc and it's not just the, the the product itself it's the ancillary um uh industry so ancillary would mean anything that doesn't touch the product itself anything from you know consulting media uh advertisements etc the the uh, the multiples of this industry and what's great about it for america for north america is it's it's not something that will be outsourced this is going to be a genuine bona fide american industry that people are not going to lose jobs in it's going to be a very solid industry to be a part of. So, and it's so early on, it's going to have some obscene profits, some very sick results. And the third part is, like I told you, we're we're concentrated a lot on on the blockchain and the and the uh, cryptocurrency sector, and we are going to feature specific ideas, specific companies in the newsletter in 2017, um, and and you know the subscribers to the free newsletter. We'll get the uh, the time sensitive alerts as they always do, and uh, um, we've had a lot of success thus far. So uh, hopefully, um, you know the research that we do and the, the work we put in. And I, I fly a, a lot um, I'm, from here. I'm going to to the U.S. to see uh, other companies as well, and it pays off. And I'm, I'm glad that uh, that everything works out. So um, that's something that we focused on a lot, and uh, you know just. Uh, making sure that people are, are inspired to, uh, to to take control of their own finances and move forward. And the way we do that, the, the, the main thing with Wealth Research Group is if you go on the website, um, you'll see that special reports tab on the main uh, you know on the main menu. That's where most people you know derive their first contact, their first information from us, and they kind of learn more of what what we do and and uh, the quality of research that uh, that we offer. Mm -hmm. Very nice. I like to hear you guys have a ton going on. I, I always like to keep uh, a couple projects or a couple focuses, you, you know, just in front of me or just out of reach. You always want to keep going and, and never be satisfied. So I'd love to see that you and uh, your team are the same way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So if somebody listening, Leor, would like to get in touch with you, what would you say the best way for them to do so is? Well, uh, you know, the, the uh, if you want to subscribe to the newsletter, that's really easy. You just go to a website and um, you, you punch in your email address and then you get all of our top notch research. Um, it, you know, there's no threshold. And that, that was one of the main things I decided to do when I uh, dissolved the fund 
is I would have no threshold to the information that I want to provide uh, to people. So it, everything is absolutely free and we will keep it that way forever because we want to make sure that people that want to learn are, are there and that they don't have to uh, think twice. Um, and so that's that's the best way to uh, to get all of our information. Okay, very nice. Well, sir, I appreciate your time very much today. You've provided some incredible information. I thank you very much. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, we are back to the main show. Lior, if you're listening, I appreciate it, man. Thank you for your time and your knowledge. Um, something else I wanted to tell you guys, so Intentionally Inspirational, this podcast will remain as is. Uh, you may have noticed there's some updated branding with the logo and the messaging of the podcast. So in addition to entrepreneurship and startups, uh, we'll get into digital marketing a little bit as well because that's that's my main income stream with the business. So it's pivoted a little bit, but it's a lot of good things going on. You will notice, notice some uh, new music coming soon, probably as soon as potentially this episode or maybe the next one. And then in the spring of 2018, or maybe even late winter, uh, I'm launching a second podcast with a buddy. It's going to be a co-hosted show. Um, I'm here, and he's in a different country, so there's a nice mix there. A lot of humor involved, and it's going to be about digital marketing. So very, very laid back, very informative, but a lot of fun. So a lot of laughs with that one. So I'll give you more info about that as it gets closer, but new podcast coming soon. If you guys wanted to check out the show notes from this episode, you can just go to intentionallyinspirational.com forward slash episode 98 for all of Leor's information, the actual episode embedded in some of his links as well. And that's what we've got for our show today. If you guys enjoyed listening, I would uh, encourage you to come back next week, check us out, subscribe on iTunes or Apple Podcasts if you haven't already, and leave us that review. We would love that. You guys have a great week. Thank you for your ear. Talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to Intentionally Inspirational. You can keep up with all of our new episodes on CastBox, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. We look forward to having you join us again next week for another great episode.